0: Joined this afternoon by Alina Lundquist. We are at Gateway before your first practice of the afternoon. So, I know you raced here. You had a doubleheader here last year. That's right. You won one podium, the other. So, not podium the other.
1: No, no podium in any of them. We had, uh, we had Was a I t- looking at the wrong <laughs> the
0: wrong result? Okay. Uh,
1: we had a tire blowout in uh, in the first race. If you remember, we uh, it was the whole tire problem with with Cooper. So it was my first oval. We didn't qualify that well, uh but in the first race we drove from 4th to 2nd. Yeah. With a handful of laps to go and then uh, my right tire blew up, and put us in the wall. And then in the second race I was in the spare car and we went from 5th to 4th.
0: So I guess my first question and you might not know. Did you guys test here? Yeah. It's the uh Tire concern gone? Is it kind of like still in the back of your mind a little bit from, from last year? Because I remember a couple drivers kind of a little concerned at, at one point last year. I think it might have been after your, your accident then.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think I was the one that expressed the most concern, obviously, after yeah. we had the shunt. Uh, and there were multiple people that had problems. Um, the problem, I think, is that at every test that we've done, like the test that we had near Gateway, um, no issue at all. Yeah. Tires were fine. Um, The test we had at Iowa, no issues, everything was fine. But then you saw James Rowe went out in the race after 35 laps. Exact same thing that happened to my tire here last year. Yeah. So it seems to be something that's happening in the race, whether it's heavy fuel loads or running in traffic and something that that happens with the tire. I don't know. Um, So it's tough to say. Obviously, Cooper has been trying to to get on top of it. And um, it's difficult because at the tests it seems fine. But then you come to the race and it doesn't seem to be fine anymore. So... uh, we'll see um, they made some changes for for this weekend but um, I mean last year what happened in race two if you don't if you remember like they split it into two halves yeah yeah, yeah. And obviously competition really, yeah, red flag sort of situation exactly yeah. after 30 some laps the red flag that everybody had to fuel up new tires and then you go again so um, obviously that's not the plan for this race um,
0: let's just hope it, it holds together is the race length the same as last year yeah 75 laps so an idea I've Floated before, and like I'm no expert, so I could totally be wrong. For Indy lights, especially as you, you know, progress to IndyCar and you incorporate, you know, pit stops, in laps, out laps, would an idea almost be to like, at some tracks, like simulate a pit stop, like you have to just like drive into pit lane, stop for five seconds, and then go. Is that a realistic idea, especially at a track like this, where maybe it just cools down the tire temps for a lap and saves it, or? is my idea terrible? And you can say, it, it's okay.
1: <laughs> I think, uh, the night might not be the best idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think, obviously, for the for the whole spectacle, like, to simulate a pit stop doesn't doesn't really make sense. Um, obviously, it would kind of be good practice for IndyCar, but I think also, that's one of the challenges going to IndyCar, yeah. like, make sure that you learn the in, right, the in- and right, out lap right. and good at the pit stops, and that's why you see teams doing, you know, one or two days at Sebring at December, and they do, Eighty odd pit stops in a day, um, because it's most most for the driver to to get ready enough for it. And so I think that's just part of the challenge going from a junior formula to, to the top.
0: So when you're leading an Indy Lights championship and you know being talked about in IndyCar next year, I'm sure you've had conversations with teams and whatnot. Is it hard to stay focused on like, hey, I still like still have to win the championship first?
1: <laughs> no. Um, okay. I wouldn't say so uh, more so the other way around it's very easy to remain focused and fixated on the Lights yeah. that's what I'm here to do to win races and yeah. try to win a championship um, so sometimes you, I almost need to tell myself hey you need to start looking for next <laughs> year and make sure that yeah. you're in a good position because like the number one most important thing is obviously results and race wins and win a championship but you also need to position yourself and see what's out there because to be honest like it doesn't matter really how good you are if you Winning races, like not every team is going to be calling you and see if yeah. you're available. You got to call them. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of work trying to position myself for for next year, and um, hopefully we've done a good enough job to see what we can do.
0: Have you had conversations with more than a couple teams at this point? You know, we're three quarters of the way through August, so I'm sure a lot of stuff is already spoken for next year. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's still enough that can happen.
1: Yeah, um, I think I've had conversations with basically every team in, in the paddock, okay. um, and uh, like you said, obviously there's not an abundance of seats out there, uh, and some are already spoken for, but hopefully we, we can find ourselves in, in a spot where, where, where we'll be in for a full year, obviously, that that is the target.
0: So having, you know, being part of HMD, I'm sure you talk to co-host of our show, David, occasionally, and, and kind of like see what he's learning in IndyCar, but are there other drivers that you've gotten to talk to on race weekends that you've been able to learn something from, or just kind of pick their brains, and uh, who's been the kind of the, the leading fo- force and who you've talked to this year?
1: Yeah, David, obviously, this year is good, because we were teammates last yeah, year, so it was yeah. kind of good to, to bounce off him a little bit, um, but then my two Swedish drivers, obviously, Felix and Marcus, um, I know them pretty well, and... WeChat every now and again, uh, and especially I think more so last year, uh, just being on the road to India and yeah. the tracks and stuff like that. So, and honestly, you know, some information about IndyCar teams, like who to speak with, and what do you think about this okay, and that, yeah. etc. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely good to, to have them on board.
0: What do you think of uh, David's rookie IndyCar season? Very impressive. Yeah. Super
1: impressive. Um, you know, we I think. It showed very much what you see with other drivers, like it took him probably three, four races before he started to get comfortable, but then it seemed like when when he got comfortable and they, they got the car in his window where he likes it, I think it's shown from, what, Detroit and onwards, that, you know, he's sort that of... fast six in Detroit, yeah. Yeah, fast six in Detroit, he got a little bit of confidence after the 500, and after that, you know, he's been comfortable, I think the pace for like top 10, top 5, almost every weekend. So um, and the thing is that like I knew it, the whole team knew it. We saw it last year. Like it's super fast. So uh, just get him, you know, comfortable and within this in his sweet spot. You know, he's going
0: to be right up there. So David's a pretty outgoing guy. Is there a fun story about David that you can share on a podcast that maybe the uh, world does not know? Um, (laughs) On the podcast, Hmm, I don't know.
1: Um, No, I mean we we had we had. Many memories from from last year yeah. together, uh, and obviously it was a pretty close fight between us because yeah. we, you know, it was between us two and Cal for the championship. And obviously I dropped out a little bit towards the end, but uh, we we had some good fights. But the the good thing, and I sort of I think we set that from Barbour and Barbour and onwards, um, like we. We sort of sat down and had a chat a little bit after race one. We are just like, you know what, we're going to you know, race hard, but we're still going to be respectful. Uh, and he was pretty clear on that. So it was, uh, was kind of good because obviously I came in as a rookie. He's done a year in life before. And obviously yeah. the team knows him very well. So it was sort of, he sort of, sort of took it and just like, right, that's how we're going to race now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, we'll do it.
0: Sports stars. They're like superheroes.
2: But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashion You. We're writing episodes about all of them.
0: And sadly, many more.
2: Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.
3: Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.
0: So looking back on the season so far, you just won in Nashville. What? So I know what IndyCar drivers think of Nashville. What do Indy Lights drivers now think of Nashville? Awesome, love it. Okay. Obviously I say that because yes. <laughs> we came up
1: and win. Uh, but I think it was awesome. You know, I love street tracks, uh, and yeah. it was a tough one. I mean, the section from turn 4 to turn 8, the back section, is probably some of the most fun and challenging corners that I've ever experienced in a car. Um, and the city as a whole. I mean, the atmosphere was awesome. Uh, great to see so many people there. And obviously, just going out for dinner afterwards, it was just it was just so cool. So Did you
0: get to explore Nashville at all then a little bit? In yeah, the, what Nashville free time at night, yes.
1: <laughs> Are you a country fan now? Um. During that weekend, I was yes, <laughs> but as soon as I left Nashville, I was just like, ah,
0: eh, maybe not. <laughs> so I always like I don't I don't like country music. Yeah. But like being in Nashville and seeing like live music like ten o'clock in the morning or whatever when you're walking around town, like, all right, this is pretty cool. This is cool like yeah. in the moment. But yeah. Afterwards, yeah, I don't. No, I don't that really care that's it, that's
1: about me as well. You know, it's kind of nice seeing them with the cowboy hat yeah. and everything. Yeah, I can get into this. Did you buy a cowboy hat or cowboy boots in Nashville? I did not, actually. Okay, I'm pretty okay. sad about that. Uh, but it will be on the list for
0: next year. <laughs> <laughs> so, the one section of Nashville that like always strikes me as tough is going down the bridge mm-hmm. afterwards. Because it's bumpy, and you're also breaking at the same time. Yeah. How do you set up for that corner without you know breaking too early and letting somebody buy you like how how difficult is that section? Ah, super in a tough, car? it's
1: it's one of the toughest one and I think we saw that in the race with some people having lockups and and it's such a high high speed entry and high speed braking so if you turn a little bit too much and start hitting the brakes you lock the right front so easy. Right. And it's it is one of those lockups where like if you hold it for too long the whole tire is going to be gone. Like it's not where you can drive right, through right, and, like right. the, the tire might explode. So it's one of those like high risk, high reward because you can very easily like gain just a tenth or a tenth and a half by really putting it all on the line. But the, the, the line of doing a mistake and doing it perfectly is very, very thin. So, um, yeah, it's definitely one of the most challenging corners, I think, on, on the whole calendar. Um, is
0: there any race, and I mean you've pretty much finished on the podium most weekends, is there any race that you've had that you're like, you know what, if I could 2-1 over again, what would it be?
1: uh two, two races. I think qualifying in Road America uh, yeah. is one because we always do two sets of tires in quality or yeah. we did before when it was 30 minutes. Uh, we were P1 on the first set and then on the second set on my on my was gonna be my best lap. I went off track with one one corner to go um, and it sort of put uh, put us P6 instead of possibly a front row start. So that's one thing. Uh, and the other thing is the collision in um, Indianapolis with Rasmussen in race one, because yeah, I think, yeah. you know, that should have been a P1 or a P2 at least.
0: Is that the when it rained? Uh
1: No, that was race two, the one okay. we won. Yeah, yeah. The race one was in the dry. Uh, we had a fight, and then on lap three or four, we came together in turn two or whatever it was.
0: So Road America, curious to your take, your teammate Christian Bogle had a pretty gnarly accident there yeah. going over the curb. They were repaving it this winter. Do you hope when they repave it that maybe that curb is flattened or reprofiled so that you don't have the... I mean, I know it's very unlikely that it would happen, but just so you don't see a car go launching like that in the air again.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is unlikely, but we still saw it at the same day at the Pro 2000 race. We yeah, had yeah. someone do the exact same yeah. thing. And I don't think it's a big difference that needs to happen. The only thing is that it can't just be one big chunk curve. Like, if you just flatten it out a yeah. little bit, what happened is that we won't take off we will just bottom out on it right now it's like such a big jump so the whole thing just throws it into the air uh, and especially like in Road American that braking zone you know we're doing 170 something miles an hour yeah. so it's pretty fast
0: so you've got Portland and Laguna after this is there you know are, are you in the listen I just want to win every race mode or are you more focused on whatever points I can get I can get and let's just wrap up the championship
1: um do this because I love winning, so I'm very <laughs> much in the, in the still yeah, trying yeah. to win as many races as I can. Um, Is there a
0: point, like, if you're in a race and you're you're battling somebody, you go, you know what, let me back out here a little bit because I need to worry about the points more than I do a win or P2? I don't
1: know. I, I think I kind of have that mindset, like, even at the start of the year, yeah, because I know that during a season, like, it might be worth settling for p3 than risking it all for p2 yeah
0: um
1: so that mindset sh- mindset haven't really changed from race one to this race um you know obviously you want to win when you get the chance but if you don't if you're not fast enough on the day if you don't have the car beneath you make sure you're p2 otherwise make sure you're p3 etc um so i wouldn't say my mindset has changed um, but obviously it is nice that we've built up a bit of
0: a gap yeah. cause it leaves you some breathing breathing room so. as well last question Portland Turn 1 is like the craziest one of the most difficult turns on the track how do you approach Turn 1 when you're you know you're on pole you're on the front row and you have 12 cars behind you going for literally one spot of real estate yeah
1: uh, me and David had some had some castles (laughs) in Portland last (laughs) year if you remember (laughs) yep yep. Uh, so so we know that one pretty well Um, we'll see Um, you know there's been a lot of tracks that like I'd say Indy Turn One is one of those as mm-hmm, well. Like mm-hmm. you go into a really tight 90 degree corner um, where you got, like I said, 12 12 cars gunning for you because you, uh, or at least the guy leading. Um, yeah. So there's been multiple of those. Yeah. Um, the only thing you can do is just, you know, trying to be smart, break as late as you can. Um, I mean, it's it's difficult to say. Everything depends on where you start as well. So we'll see. Cool.
0: Well, good luck, man. Hopefully, next time we talk, you're uh, up in IndyCar.
2: I hope so, too. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America... This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month.